0: Hey guys, Dave Chang here. I am. I don't have my microphone set up, so I'm just using some headphones. So apologies for what might be a rough audio, but I've been told it's getting better. I forgot to pack my microphone set up. And more importantly, even when I had the microphone set up, according to everyone at Spotify and the ringer, I wasn't uh, setting it up properly. So there you go. Anyway, here are our partner and our discount codes, 10% off any day. If you visit cookinganyday.com, use the promo code day for 10% off, 20% off athletic brewing, promo code athleticgift20, and you can get that shipped to your door for 20% off, and $40 off Cometeer Coffee, Cometeer.com slash Chang. I cannot stress enough how, what a game changer Cometeer Coffee is for me, and you should try it for sure, especially with $40 off, and 10% off all Momofuku products. Stock up on your pantry before the holiday season. I can tell you that just seasoning your turkey with the momo savory salt, which you can only buy online at shop.momofuku.com, is a wonderful way to do it. And all the other savory salts, the, I mean, the, the, the tingly salt and the spicy salt are also great for, for meats. Uh, that's what I mean using them for uh, recently grilling and slow roasts. But um, we also have our instant noodles and all our chili crunch that you can get at your local supermarkets, but our entire full array of products are available at shop.momofuku.com. Chris will be joining us in about 30 minutes. Uh, we'll get on to the show. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Dumbo Media. Thank you a as always. Chris Yang again will be joining us in about 30 minutes. We got an Ask Dave a transition to dad's, a PFFW, a mini MOIF. But I wanted to start off with the three things I think about before three things I think about. One, I, I was in a, a meeting because I'm currently on the road right now. I'm in upstate New York. I'm at a, a Momofuku corporate retreat, which has been extremely great to see everybody and productive. Next week, I'll be at the F1 race, cooking for the Cosmopolitan. And... And the week after that, uh, the New York Jets versus the Miami Dolphins for Black Friday's game. So I'm on the road. But while I'm here, I was thinking um, we were in a meeting and I almost wanted to pat myself on the back because I think it's a sign of maturity that I don't know if I'm going to achieve too often. And it was a lighthearted sort of group talk. And the conversation that we were talking about needed to move on, right? And a younger version of me most definitely would have had, there was a funny comment I could have made. It was sarcastic. I thought it was a funny quip, but I decided not to like do it. And I was like, well, wow, good job, Dave. I didn't do it. And the funny thing is, after all my executive coaching with Marshall, that was something that I've been trying to work on for a long time, but it's been few and far between. Always trying to have something funny to say when really it's not that funny. I have to say, I think that's a sign of maturity, not just for myself, but for all of my friends. Because everyone wants to be the most sarcastic SOB, but that was something that happened. And I don't expect any younger person to do that, you know? So, signs of maturity besides the, the, the white hairs growing on my face. Another thing I was thinking about, I saw Max in yesterday, <laughs> Momofuku. He was eating, he had a choice of three French fries Old Bay seasoned French fries, which are delicious. And if you haven't had Old Bay, you should. It's delicious on everything. A regular sea salt. And then good old truffle fries, truffle fries tossed in minced garlic and parsley. I feel like that is, or sometimes you see with Parmesan. I got to say, I think that I hate truffle fries more than, it's my number one most like vilified hated food. I hate it so much. I don't even know why. And I just spent a good like 10 minutes trying to explain to Hugo, never use the word hate, but I hate it. There's something about it. And listen, there used to be this great dish at a small restaurant or like wine bar called Enoteca Trot- uh, in the West Village. And they had this great little uh, Fontina cheese truffled egg toast with asparagus and, and, uh, and truffle oil. And I never had real truffle before, so I didn't know. And I think for most people that have never had truffle, you taste it and it's good. And again, like I think there are times when truffle oil can taste good. Like a little goes a long way. This felt like these French fries felt they were aerosoled in in truffle oil. And I think when it's too much, it becomes like more. We're never going to rid the oil of truffle oil, rid the world of truffle oil. But sometimes I feel like when there's too much added, it almost makes me want to vomit the smell. Yeah, but I, I had to taste it and I kept on tasting it, eating more and more because I couldn't believe how bad it tasted. So that was my PSA. I think we need to stop buying truffle fries. I'm sure, you know, watching five years, I'm so contradictory, I'll be selling truffle fries. But for for right now, in 2023, I feel like we need to lower the intake of of truffle fries. I don't know why. People love them. I mean, love them. The last thing I wanted to talk about sort of I was mulling over, you know, last podcast, I was talking about airline deregulation, (laughs) and how that sort of changed the business. I, I wanted to say as a further comment on the deregulation for the food world, I think deregulation has happened in this regard as a comparison. You can't really say uh, the government intervention. That's not it. But what I mean is there's a governing body of sorts that allows certain certain things to happen. And I feel that the dereg- deregulation before was, you know, A newspaper, a critic, uh, a a guidebook, etc. And now we have free-flowing information of just about all sorts of food, from techniques to chefs, uh, and everything in between. If you want to learn how to make something, you want to learn how to grow something, you want to learn how to open up a certain kind of thing, buy a certain kind of product, stovetop range, etc. You can find that information online, social media, and that is what I feel like has been deregulated. The, the power of knowing something that somebody else didn't know is not as strong as it used to be, right? But I, I don't think you should fret because the one thing, again, that is going to give someone an advantage is experience. So those are things that cannot be input into a computer or an algorithm quite yet, right? So I, I, I can't stress enough, if you're thinking about a career in this or if you're doing this, and you make pizza, or if you're a barbecue expert, or there's something about uh, some kind of competitive advantage you can have, it's it's while things have been broadened out, I would choose specific things and go so deep in them that you become domain experts in that specific field, right? Um, so it's like if you were just trying to make sausage, and you wanted to make kielbasa or say chorizo, right? I think the world is going to gravitate towards the people that have spent the most time making certain things and being experts in that um, versus what may have happened 10 years ago. It's like, I, I make a great chorizo and I have a dish and no one else is going to make, I think now it's like, maybe I'm just going to become the producer of it or maybe I'm just going to open up one restaurant specific to that. So I I've been ruminating on that quite a bit because, uh, I think this idea of deregulation is happening more and more. There was an article about Wirecutter in the Atlantic a few months back. And basically, there's a paywall, but to summarize it, if you don't know what Wirecutter is, it was a, a, it's like a rating review of product site. Uh, it was sort of the first of its kind, I think. And they would say, like, these are the best computers. And we got the 10 best computer experts and 10 People they will use it for a year, and these are our thoughts. And this is what we think you should buy in the category, and from lawnmowers to frisbees and everything you can do, they cover. And you know, there's a few reasons why they were saying wire cutter is not as established or not as sort of, sort of, not as culturally significant. Is that everyone started to copy wire cutter as they realized that there was the first mover in in doing it? Right. Things while they had an advantage, things flattened out. So now, if you just scroll through your social media feed, you're going to find, I guarantee you, one out of 10 is going to be like, buy this, do this, right? And that kind of free-flowing segment of information, I don't know if we can comprehend like, how, how transformative that is. And what gave people power before was having a, a, a certain bit of information that no one else had. I mean, I think about it today that if I open up Momofuku today, I don't know if I'm successful, right? Because the world in 2023 is a vastly different place than it was in 20- 2004 when nobody served pork buns. There wasn't a single ramen shop that served pork buns. That's just – I can't guarantee you it was a fact, right? They served gyoza. So little things like that, right? Now people know what a pork bun is. I couldn't put a pork bun on uh, and, 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 and think people would think it's novel, right? In twenty years that's happened, and not only that, you know the recipes like you can go online and find probably twenty four legitimate, different kinds of Montau steam bun recipes with different fillings. You can go to multiple kinds of restaurants that don't even serve sort of asian inspired food. You can go to like literally like a continental American restaurant they might serve steam buns, right That's how sort of ubiquitous it's become. And I was thinking if I had to start all over at age 22, and this was a little bit about you know's question to me about uh, three jobs that if I could do it for a day, what I would do. And I I, I kept on thinking about it. And and I, I would, if I did stay in the food business and if I was doing it, what would I do, right? So I wanted to direct that question. If I did stay in the food business, what role would I do if I was starting out right now? And I, I, I think I would become some kind of expert in something. And I wouldn't do wine, right? I would try to find a part in the food world that everyone thinks that they know a lot about, but they don't. And wine is something where you're never going to discover anything uh, undiscovered. There's zero, (laughs) zero, zero, zero ability for wine. There's like, well, just think about that. That's a good example of limited amounts of resources and terroir where wine can grow in the world. Even though China's trying to grow like Burgundy style, et cetera. And who knows, with you know, breakthroughs in science, who knows what can happen with the world of wine. But in terms of revolutionary breakthroughs, you're not discovering a new piece of land <laughs> that's going to make a terrific wine. It's it's all done. It's almost postmodern from here. The amount of people that know knowledge about wine, like serious knowledge, is incredible. I have friends that are not in the food business but have taken their psalm certification course. That's crazy to me. You have real experts that are amateurs, and that's a very different thing. So I would stay away from the wine world. Uh, this is only if I wanted to start off now. I think there's a lot of people that can have an awesome career being a SOM or opening up a bottle shop or something like that. But uh, trying to be an expert, like I would try to be an expert on something that no one else is an expert on. I think that would be really difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible. I think it would be really difficult to do in wine right now, right? There's Yes, there are the cream of the crop that's out there. I find them, all of the top psalms, I think would be very difficult to beat. They're so good at their fucking jobs. And besides them, they're training their, the next generation as well. So all the top psalms in the world are training. Like, wine knowledge is through the roof? Even on the spirits level, everyone's making everything. <laughs> you know, when, when America's producing soju, I was like, well, that's it. You know, next thing you know, so some some hipster's gonna be making Baiju and Ozone Park hard to do. But what I would do, I'd probably think about doing things that are so um so difficult to master. And I always think about what Chris Chris Bianco does, right? He's made pizza that if I taste, I know that it's his pizza. Right. So maybe I go into ice cream, maybe I maybe I do baking, right? Maybe I wouldn't do, uh, maybe I just make like English muffins, right? Or, or something ridiculous. That's what I think about a lot, right? Because it's hard to make a mark. There are pockets left, but, but I'm not sure how long you would have an advantage, right? So it's one of the reasons why Farhan and later uh, Renee and Abouye and Noma respectively started to change their menus every year to keep the copycats on their toes. It's also one of the reasons why Apple does it too. It's to, to keep the imitators off balance. I think it's very difficult for the food industry to, to innovate that quickly. So I'm not sure what it would be, but I think it would be baking, uh, probably not cheese making, but maybe it would be in the world of baking. Right? Or something that is so simple. I Honestly, I, I still think about making soba. It's something that is so... Uh, repetitive, right? And there's no more uh, innovation that's going to happen in soba making in you know, a soba. Yeah. Like maybe here or there, little bits. But the world we know of soba is is definitive for the most part. Yes, you can merge soba noodles with other cuisines, but the traditional set of what soba is, which is hundreds of years old, is that. Or if I was going to just make right? Korean buckwheat noodles, There's a lot of innovation in nengyun, but you look at it, it's still nengyun. And Korea, if there's that great series on Netflix again about nengyun, there's all kinds of varieties and all kinds of styles. But if I chose to make a nengyun shop, I would try to force myself to not have ADD, and I would try to make everything bespoke from scratch and be the best nengyun maker like in the world. That I think could be achievable. And that's sort of what I'm trying to tell people that are listening, that are thinking about the career or career change or whatever. I would just go so deep in something that is sort of relatively obscure, like naengmyeon, right? Something that you know a group of people – Koreans are fucking crazy about this cold noodle soup that I don't – I personally don't know if it would ever – the world would catch on fire with naengmyeon. But those are the things where you know that in Korea, people love it, right? Another one would be jajimyeon, all right? The Korean or the Chinese-inspired black bean sauce soup, which I've tried to get out there in the world. It's these dishes that you have data that you know are fucking delicious. But for whatever reasons, culture hasn't caught up with it that allows other countries to open their, their doors to accepting these dishes. What about dumplings? Isn't dumplings something that like,
1: has so much breadth and range that like you can really get creative with it also
0: i think no i don't know i think there's so much dumplings out there right that's the problem and the world over so maybe it's a different one right from uzbekistan or something like that or armenian right but it it could be again like I, i i don't know you know and i would just focus on things that are good that can translate but for whatever reason, so this is the information asymmetry that I think is is like remaining. What is delicious in another country that's beloved that is not delicious somewhere else? And there's no guarantee that it's going to translate over. But if it does, you get black pink all of a sudden, you know? It could be anything. Maybe I would do kakigori. I wouldn't do poppin' soup because I think poppin' soups. Don't get mad at me, Korea. Sucks. <laughs> I, I don't like popping soup because I don't want, I don't eat red bean. I think people that listen to this podcast know that I don't eat red bean. But kakigori to me is an art form and it's very difficult to make proper. So maybe it's something like that. Again, I don't know, but you should spend time thinking about things that are delicious in another country, being respectful and trying to figure out how to do your version of that or just becoming an expert in that in and of itself. So, you know, I I have no idea. All right. And you, you won't know either unless you do it. So that, that's my word of encouragement on the three things is, you know, this, this freedom of information, this de- democratic access to culinary knowledge. I mean, amateur barbecue is really good right now. Everything that from an amateur level is really good. And I'm also excited about that because that's how you get an influx of new, right? It's in some ways the culinary thought and food – at least the Western canon, has been inbred, right? And I know that's a disgusting term, but it is. It's had the same DNA, same memes, because I believe that deliciousness is a meme, recycled over and over and over again. And that's why you're getting these like deformities and things, right? So it's good to get an influx of new, right? Every once in a while, that's a good kick in the ass. So... Again, with these new amateurs that are coming in that are not specifically trained or classically trained, I think it's an opportunity to see new happen. And I know this is the most optimistic I've been. It doesn't mean that this is going to happen. I was just more pontificating and thinking about what would I do if I was graduating from college and I knew I wanted to the food business. And I didn't listen to anybody because I was too stubborn. And I still wanted to do it. All right? There's a lot of ways to express yourself in, in making food. But, yeah, it's something I think about quite a bit. But I think i maybe i just make gengjang dia, right? I'd just make stews, right? There's a lot, there, there's just so much you can do uh, food-wise. I'm just, I just don't want to see the same restaurants open up time and time again. Anyway, let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new pure leaf blackberry iced tea that we have here at the Spotify studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new pure leaf blackberry iced tea. Visit amazon.com pure leaf and enter 20 pure leaf. That's 20 pure leaf for 20% off your purchase of new pure leaf Pure Leaf Blackberry Ice Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pure leaf and enter 20 pure leaf. That's 20 pure leaf for 20% off your purchase of new pure leaf blackberry iced tea. Okay. Official three things I think about. We're officially in November. It is officially turkey season, which means if you haven't started preparing for Thanksgiving, you are already late. When I say preparing, you need to be thinking about plateware, refrigeration. Uh, space, right? This is when, if you have a garage and it's cold outside, you're going to be putting food in your garage, that type of thing. Preparation is important. You should be coming up with a menu. You should be thinking about the number of guests that you're having, because if you prepare, you are going to win. And that means from having the right utensils for service same plateware, cooking utensils, salt spices, all of these things. It takes maybe an hour to do. I recommend you sit down right now after this podcast and just write out a list of all the things that you have and you don't have. That is the first thing you need to be doing. But if I assume that you've already done this or you're missing a couple things, I would say one thing that I'm definitely going to have for Thanksgiving is some kind of chicken bouillon for sure, right? Some Maybe if they have turkey bouillon, great but uh ajinomoto makes that that uh paste but any kind of bouillon cube i don't think it's necessarily cheating if you're making everything from scratch but sometimes you might need a little oomph uh on on your gravy maybe it's just good to have in general sometimes i you know if you make so here's a tip if you make green bean casserole put a little or a little chicken bouillon in there it, it's going to make it delicious the other thing I'm going to make sure that I have, I'm going to buy cream and butter, all dairy, like two weeks before Thanksgiving. I'm going to do multiple trips. On this piece of paper, I would also write up multiple like timelines. These things that will not spoil easily, I would buy minimum, like around two weeks beforehand, eggs, flour, butter, and uh, eggs, flour, butter. Yeah, that's about it. Cream. I' buy cream too, and just put a reminder two weeks stop by a supermarket or grocery store and buy these things there's nothing worse than scrambling around trying to find what you need. Another thing you could do is buy your herbs. Another thing that is totally empty uh, is the herb section in a grocery store before thanksgiving I would buy if you take care of your herbs now, maybe like ten days before they will last if you treat them if you if you wrap them a paper towel, put them in a bag or a container, so they're not wet or even moist but a little bit damp at least the roots they're going to last i would buy those ahead of time as well because in theory you'd like to get everything done once in one go shop and go i think if you're cooking for if you're cooking thanksgiving dinner buying your ingredients three to five days in advance it starts to get really hairy three days in advance people start buying it probably starting that saturday or sunday i think you should probably start buying it so, so let's just think this out here. 14 days beforehand, so which is what? 14 days from today's broadcast date is the 23rd. So I would start buying things today. I would buy butter, milk, cream, and eggs. Any Anything that has long-term shelf life, today, the 9th. Next week, on the 16th, I'd buy my herbs for sure and my turkey. And ham. I, I Honestly, I would try to buy everything beforehand. I would say that is my like end date, the, 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 the ninth. excuse me, the 16th or the 17th, or maybe the weekend of, but the weekend before Thanksgiving in terms of the so too. So I'd say the 16th or 17th, I would have bought to buy everything. Make sure you buy your mirepoix, make sure you buy any frozen vegetables you need, and you have planned, since you've today planned out the shelf space that you're going to need, you're ready to go. So, the last thing I'm definitely gonna make sure that I have stocked in my kitchen is Wondra flour. Okay. We don't even have it at the studio, but I'm gonna make sure I almost always want it when Thanksgiving happens because so many of the dishes require some kind of roux. And I don't necessarily like using cornstarch for things. And Wondra makes a fucking sick gravy because it's basically deionized flour. So, it doesn't stick together. It's effectively, they make it like a slurry paste with flour. They cook it out, then they like sheet it out and they pulverize it, desiccate it, and that's like one drop flour. It's great for coating fish. It's great for cooking, but there are going to be times where maybe something needs the consistency changed. I'm thinking from the green bean casserole. I'm thinking that if I do any kind of like gravy, macaroni and cheese, right? These are the things I'm not, I'd probably be making with everything with a traditional roux, whether on the stovetop or in any day in the microwave. But like, you're going to be so busy cooking things that if you are not following recipes like I am, and you overshoot or you've misjudged the, the the water content on something or doesn't have the texture you desire, having wondra is an awesome thing. I just I think it's a little bit better than cornstarch uh, for these applications, especially say in gravy because cornstarch has a different kind of texture to it. Right, it becomes snotty. Almost right, and wonder doesn't give you that. I I wish there was a better term than snotty, but that it just is again more less viscous than say using cornstarch. All right, those are my three things. We got an ask, Dave. Hi, Dave. My almost nine month old is starting to transition from purees to finger foods. Do you have any advice, tips, or tricks or recipes? I've been looking for things that are quick and easy, nutritional and yummy, and as little mess as possible. And this is great because our good friend, Chris Ying, just decided to join on for this Ask Dave, sort of a dad's edition. And then we're we'll going to do a mini-dad's. But uh, I think a nine-year-old transitioning from purees to finger foods. Ying, I know, started way earlier than we did. We did about the same thing, nine months. You know, there's a prevailing thought that if you just feed them the foods that you eat, that they'll figure it out, too. You're like, Humanity's been around four point six million years or something like that. Like <laughs> we've been doing it without a fork and knife. But I'm not that brave. I, I think for me it's rice. It's like we would make little rice balls, right? Um, or just spread out the rice where our sons could like pick it up with their fingers. That that would be like tips and tricks. Also, pasta, right? Pasta is great. And using scissors to cut it up, any kind of noodle would be great. Broccoli florets are also very good because you can peel off those tiny florets and there's like a sense of accomplishment when they can eat one. I think when it gets to fruits, it gets a little bit more scary to people. Blueberries, I st- even though my kids eat blueberries and they're two and four respectively, I still get dang- like nervous when they eat one, but less so with the raspberry and strawberry. So I'm still cutting up. I, still cut up. I would still cut up all the fruits and veg, but the bigger things that they would start to chew on, and I think this is a good tip is... Your your child's probably going to start teething, so I think like bagels are are really good. Anything that's super chewy is good. And there's a lot of these teething snacks for kids. And I gotta say, I think they are fucking they fucking work, right? They they love these these things that make their teeth feel better because they're crunchy and and specifically, a, I I mean, I would suspect designed for babies, but you know, it, it does make them feel happier. I think Jan is looking for a specific recipe. I would say the one recipe that I've given to my kids is literally white rice with salmon roe. Like that is still my fail safe. Like, uh, I don't know if they've had any nutrition. I don't think they've had any like good fats or nothing. And I save that. That is my special treat to them. And fortunately my kids, Like that flavor because I think they like the texture of the salmon roe. Uh, It's salty as well, but um, we 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 put like a teaspoon on that. And you can buy salmon roe frozen. You get it from Regales. We've been getting it from um, Leeway at uh, the Joint Seafood uh, here in Los Angeles. That that would be my 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 trick. But man, it's it's not easy. And you should just expect that what's going to work for you at nine months is not going to work for you at twelve months, fifteen months, eighteen months. Plus, they're going to continue to change. So I think, Yang we, we should – actually, funny enough, Yang, I think we're going to write a book about this.
2: Yeah, funny, funny funny, enough, I think we finally have a place for all of this uh, hard-earned intel.
0: But, man, I almost wish they never stopped eating purees. <laughs> it's so much easier. And uh, So much easier. So much easier. I would also say a good thing to have on hand is a mini uh, – a magic bullet.
2: Yeah, I feel like purees are so much easier because you can you can also portion them out and like you don't have to. Man, the thing that drives me crazy—I know this drives you crazy too—as they get older and start eating the amount of food waste or the amount yes, of like I know. leftover stuff. I just have to eat. My parents get so it's, mad. It's
0: it's 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 insane. Um, but I also, Janet, wouldn't give up on purees. Right, mashed potatoes is still a thing. Some, I mean, sweet potatoes. So uh those are the things I know that are gonna eat. I mean knock on wood. But for me, my go to is what Asia's been doing for millennia is rice. <laughs> That's
2: right. It's gotta be rice. Rice,
0: rice all day.
2: When did they, when when did your boys start doing like rice with seaweed?
0: With gemeam. Uh they they didn't do that from the get go.
2: Yeah. I feel like yeah. that's helpful too because you can kind of contain it a little bit with the seaweed. It doesn't like become a total disaster and mess everywhere. I feel like the, the seaweed is a strong move.
0: I have also found two little tricks because um, wherever I can. So if I'm going to be making anything soup or whatever or even like if I'm giving them bread, I'm putting an outrageous amount of fat, butter, right? Uh, if I'm making mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. I'm using – If if any point I can use full cream, I'm doing that. (laughs) I mean, wildly unhealthy for an adult, but trying to maximize as much punch nutritionally as possible for this kids. But what was I going to say? Oh shit! This seems to be a, 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 a stupid tip. I found that cheese. You would think that like kids would love baby bell cheese. They don't love. My kids don't love it. Right. Do your kids like it?
2: I, I thought I thought the exact same thing. I was like this is going to save my entire life and then they ate one and I just have to eat the rest of the bag. And we kept yeah, buying yeah. it cuz I just kept Yeah, we kept
0: buying. Yeah, they don't I listen. The things that you think they're going to like, they're not going to like. Just know that Janet and accept it. I think the <laughs> biggest thing we could tell you is, you know, like hostage negotiators would tell you, you you, you don't negotiate with somebody. You can't make sense of somebody that's irrational. You can't You're you're dealing with somebody that does not have a foreign brain, that doesn't understand logic or rational thought. Don't try to project your rational thought onto your child. Anything that makes sense is not going to make sense. I just accept that. You just got to let it go. right? Right.
2: You might be thinking to yourself, this has baby in the name, baby bell. This will work, but it won't
0: work. Or like, oh, look, I'm going to cut up. I just spent all this time cutting up this cheddar cheese and the small things and they don't eat it. They, they want to eat the whole block. But I will tell you the things that you're like, eh, like, yeah, should I, should I not? I found that the cheese that my kids like are the shredded, any shredded cheese. You just put that in a bowl. I think they like the texture. And it gets everywhere. It's what it is. And the other cheese that they eat likes candy. And Wiley friend would be so pleased. It's just American cheese. Mm-hmm. They like peeling it open and just eating it and like ripping it open. I think they like the texture, but man, American cheese is like 180 calories, one slice, a lot of sodium. But that's a whole nother question you have to have is when do you start introducing sodium? Because again, all those baby police will tell you, ah, listen.
2: They can't. They, they're not going to eat enough sodium for it to be bad. I mean, come on, it's fine. We had a we had a decent amount of luck, especially when the when they're like teething or, or sort of like just sort of starting at this phase with like larger pieces of frozen fruit or like frozen smoothie pops and things like that that just sort of soothe their gums and, and make them feel delighted. My kids will still just eat a bowl of frozen fruit. It's an anytime snack.
0: Fruit's dangerous too. Do you think smoothies? Smoothies don't work. Oh, uh, you, you know I. I got to say, and I'm sure when we write a book, Chris, people are going to be like, that's bullshit. That doesn't fucking work. (laughs) But you read enough shit. You see something online. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to put some kale into the smoothie. (laughs) Like they're not going to taste it. There's no way. My kids have super pellets.
2: It's incredible, man. They can detect the tiniest fleck of green in anything. Yeah. They're incredible. They're like they're yeah, like just, airport security dogs.
0: Again, just like when I turn sixty five and when I want to move to Miami, Florida, I know that at age, you know, three, Gus is gonna stop eating anything green. <laughs> and he wants different shades of brown. You just have to accept it. That's where we're at.
2: Yeah. That's a that's a really good point, too, is like when you start to celebrate your kid and like all the things they want to eat when they're two. It's like it's like Deshaun Jackson celebrating and dropping the football in front of the end zone. You're just like, anything that they're into when they're two, they're going to hate when they're three. You were celebrating way too early.
0: Let's take a break.
2: All right.
0: and you know, a dad, too. What, what, what do we got here? What are some other, like,
1: kind of rookie mistakes for when you're feeding your kid? Um, when you were, like, a you know, at any point, you know, from toddler to. Uh,
0: I'm still making them. You know what I made? I made for my two kids on Sunday, eggs Benedict. <laughs> but with sam- smoked salmon instead, I poached eggs. I made a hollandaise sauce. I did it on crumpets instead of English muffins. And I don't know what compelled me because like a month ago, Hugo said, I want to eat poached eggs. And he ate them all. And I was like, using that data, I decided to, um, I could have just made them poached eggs, but I had made them the full-fledged eggs benny, right? They <laughs> <laughs> took, yeah. both of them took like, one look at this and Gus pushed his plate, like through it almost. And Hugo looked at it and he goes, yuck.
2: There, So there are like multiple, multiple mistakes at play. If we can do a little post game analysis here, for me, maybe you're maybe these aren't mistakes to you. But the first mistake is making any sort of a composed dish for a kid. Like does not work. They don't. They yes, they want poached eggs. But the second you put it on top of a muffin with you know whatever ham, Canadian bacon, and then holidays are like, dude, that's I don't want to eat that. You can't compose things for them. And the other is. Doing anything where you feel like you're going to have your self-worth tied to preparing food for your kids. Basically, any amount of self-worth on, on your kids eating your food is going to be a real, real bummer.
0: Um, and two other things for sure. You need to really come to terms with the fact that you're going to find food crusted somewhere and that food's <laughs> going to get everywhere. And you just have to accept it. You're also going to accept the fact that you just changed your son or daughter two times already before breakfast. And they're going to have to change their shirt again. (laughs) Just have to accept that. Maybe even four times before breakfast is over. Yeah. Right? Like, Uh, that's, those are the things where, like, there's just no way. And it's going to happen. You just have to accept the fact that they're going to ruin their clothes all day. You're also going to think that maybe I should feed them without a shirt on. You try that. See how well that works. The reason you won't do that is you realize now I have to give them a shower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the clothing is actually an important part of the cleanup process. You'll yeah. learn. One day you'll learn. You'll learn. Oh, you're going to be like, oh, I'm a fucking genius. I know I'm going to solve this dilemma. I'm just going to have them eat without a shirt on. <laughs> Don't say I didn't fucking warn you.
2: <laughs> Were you, I mean, we had, we had, did you ever have one of these, Chang, where we had the, uh, it's like a full body bib. It's like an eating yeah, yeah. suit where they have long yeah. sleeves. It goes all the way around. Oh, no. Ties in the back. It's like it's, it's kind of uh, crazy. It's, it's
0: it's literally an Iron Maiden for eating. It's literally an Iron. Wow. No,
2: it's like it's like when um a doctor is putting on their scrubs and they put their arm out and you put the suit around them. Like I I I was jealous of this this uh, full body bib.
0: And I think for anybody else, you have to accept that working under a despot. Uh, I, like I would imagine some, you know some king in England in like the 14th century, right? <laughs> oh, my, my, I saw my, my, oh, they want kiwi. Oh my God. They love kiwi. I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy a whole box of kiwis because that's like the only thing I've seen that mean.
2: I'm going to gather the all second, the kiwis yeah, in the land.
0: Yeah. The second kiwi that you give to your child and you taste, you're like, wow, that is like, so, because we haven't said it all, the platonic ideal of a perfect kiwi. It's like sweet, tart, perfect. <laughs> it's like you're doing simple math. They love the mediocre kiwi. They're going to go bananas for this one.
1: Yeah, logical.
0: You'll be you you you're you'll never see your child eat a kiwi ever again. <laughs>
2: It's 100% true. It's 100% true. The minute you have bought all of the Kiwis in the land, they're like, I don't want a Kiwi. Who the hell told you I wanted a Kiwi?
0: So here's another. I like this, dads. It's just like being prophetic almost, (laughs) right? You're going to fulfill the prophecy for sure. As your child gets older, they're going to get some kind of OCD. You're going to think they're OCD because they are. Mm -hmm. They are. And you're going to think to yourself, well, that bowl of berries that I know is separate. Because you would have a divider, right? You might have a bowl that is divided by two sides. There's blueberries and raspberries. You think to yourself, oh, that's separate. But no, you're wrong. Because one raspberry might be overla- overhanging on that ledge, separating and touching another blueberry. I mean, for all you know, it's like their reaction is like catching their partner, fucking another person. it's Mm. like their
2: anger they are they're like they're like angry segregationists (laughs) they're little fruit racists
0: it's like they're like they they just freak the fuck out not just fruit anything (laughs) you think like well you know that that cheese curl is touching the 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 fruit leather thing no big deal wrong
2: big deal and you know you know what you know what you can't do with it, when, when food has touched, there's no going back. There's no like, look, I'm wiping it off. Look, this, I got the sauce off. Look, it's gone. Look, they're separate yep. now. No, it's like once it has been contaminated, it has yep. to be destroyed. It has to be incinerated. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. Or just you eat it. If you wonder <laughs> right. yourself, is there a freshman of 15? I don't know, if there was a kid 15. Well, there <laughs> is because you're now consuming an extra 500 to 700 calories per day that you never even think about. All right. You're not hungry. But you're consuming it because you're not even thinking about it because that's the food that's being left over that you know is delicious because you made it and you eat it. So you're now having probably like 12 to 15 more bites per day than you ever had. This is the realest shit that's ever been said. And you're finding yourself being like, man, I'm, I'm watching what I'm eating. I'm going to the gym. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. What's happening to me?
2: Yeah. And I mean like even if you've made an even it was delicious, I have to say – you 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 end up eating it because you can't bear to throw it away. But it's like the last thing in the entire world I want to eat. The last thing I want to eat is a lukewarm quesadilla that's been smashed up with a kiwi. Like that's the last thing in the entire th- world I want to eat. But I'll eat a whole plate of it
0: because I have to. And lastly, another thing you're just going to have to throw away is your pride and dignity and integrity. <laughs> All right? Just throw it away. Any thought that you had about what kind of parent you were going to be? And listen, if you're one of those fucking parents that is – Still doing it in your dreamlike vision. I don't want to know who you are. You you know what I mean? Like that person, I don't want to know. I know you exist, but I don't want to be friends with you. Just like I don't want to be friends with a serial murderer. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> Call me crazy. But – it, I, David, I need you? to commiserate with people that have been broken and give in to their children. For example, I I remember when my sister had her first child a few years back that, maybe I've told this story before, I gave her a verbal lashing almost, criticizing her for feeding her kids veggie straws. All right? Though veggie straws, by the way, taste like, they taste like nothing. There's like no vegetables in them. They're just puffed with food coloring in the shape of a hollow french fry. Nothing. It's just a, it it just a potato like chip.
2: It's just a colored potato chip.
0: And my sister in her exasperation to me is like, they're just like vegetables. Just leave me the fuck alone. Don't, how, just leave me the fuck alone. And I was like, how many kids oh, you think you they're have, vegetables? How many kids did
2: you have at this time, Dave?
0: It was like, this is like 2012. Well, years, years ago
2: zero children and you dare zero to children. do this
0: i know dare to do this <laughs> but i'm just being honest because you motherfuckers are judging you've all been there you may not have vocalized it like a fucking psycho that i am but you were thinking about it you've always judged you there was a point in your life when you were not a parent but you were judging another fucking parent or your friend or whatever and i i was like my sister's like you are you're a shitty mom. Because you're feeding your kid veggie straws. Well, let me let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you about eating crow, or, or shall I say veggie straws? <laughs> I also feed my kids <laughs> veggie straws. <laughs> yeah, you do. And uh, and uh, they're not organic. And you know what I told myself? Yeah, they're vegetables. Even though they're not.
2: Can I I, I? I fully agree with this. I fully agree with you cannot, you can't, you don't know a, a damn thing. You can't say anything. I also want to say this, and no offense, you know, but if you have one kid, don't talk to people who have two kids about anything. <laughs> don't tell us anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Multiple kids, man. If you've got one kid and you're still doing the organic, wonderful farm to table lifestyle, like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me until you have two. Yeah, all those things will go, go away.
0: Yeah, I, 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 you should go go eat that placenta you've been saving up. <laughs> all right, guys, we're back. It's time for everyone's favorite PFFW, Pro Football Food Weekly. Basically, we are going to tell you what and who's going to win the Amazon Thursday Night Football game, specifically by choosing the five S's which is sandwich steakhouse, seafood, sweets, and special teams or special sauce and determining which team ultimately is going to win because the city has better food in that day, in that moment, during that game. Last week, we won. We won. <laughs> I mean, the, algorithm, surprised. the algorithm won. Thank you. Thank you, PFFW algorithm. Thank you. You were right again. We are 6-12 for the year. <laughs> We saw to bet on Pittsburgh to cover and they did.
2: We did it. The algorithms back on track. 100% from now on.
0: So, it's the Thursday night matchup, is Carolina Panthers at the Chicago Bears. Carolina is a not the best record, they're 1 and 7, but the Bears also don't have the best record. They're 2 and 7. This <laughs> is this is a battle that I think uh, it's hard to say cuz clearly I think one city has the better food. But sometimes the team is so bad that they ruin the city.
2: See, this is why the PFFW is great, though, because if you if you zoom out and look historically, historically, these are some titans here. Chicago and Carolina are big, big players. Having an off year.
0: But if we want to just talk about football, Chicago Bears might be the most laughable franchise besides the Washington Commanders. They might have the most paying fan, root, fan base. And I think the only way that they can salvage their, their, their seasons is because of the food scene in Chicago, right? The deep history of delicious food. Carolina, they've not been good for a long time either, but I always feel like they have more optimism that they're going to be good. They had the number one pick, they had Bryce Young, and effectively, Carolina, you're talking about Charlotte, and there's mm-hmm. good food in Charlotte. There's good food. There's good Indian food in Charlotte. I've been to Charlotte. I've been to, I've been to Chicago. So let's go to the five S's and we'll determine the winner. Ah, Carolina, you got the pulled pork sandwich and a Carolina mm-hmm. dog versus Italian beef and a Chicago dog. I don't think there's even a, Hey, listen, the pulled pork, it, 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 nobody's been in Chicago here. Correct.
2: I agree with that. You can't really beat Chicago on the sandwich front there.
0: I mean, Pull Chicago's got fun. real Chicago, and we're doing steakhouses. Chicago's got steakhouses galore. Old school steakhouses. In fact, so much meat facilities are done in Chicago. Many, many processing facilities. Yeah, Up For to steakhouse about it. And it's a, that's an uplifting book if I've ever read one. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a tough.
2: This is a tough category because right? you're you're basically let's because we've already established. This ass is really about the meat in general, right? So for Carolina, they've got to be able to Expert,
0: start. You're going, you're going pork versus beef here. You're going pork versus beef. Because it's, it's, it's Carolina barbecue. It's a lot of whole hog, and it's a more vinegar-based. And I got to say, behind Texas barbecue, it's probably my favorite. Between Western Tennessee versus Eastern Tennessee barbecue, too. Which also has that vinegar I I like Tennessee barbecue. So I'm going Carolina. I don't know what the algorithm's showing for you, Chris Yang.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the whole hog tradition of the Carolinas and the vinegary sauce probably tips the scales in terms of traditional meats, you know, Chicago and the steakhouses. But you know, I just talked to somebody yesterday who reminded me it's been so long since I've been to Publican in, in, in Chicago, and I know we've had good times there and I'm like that's such a good meat place too. Chicago's just a good meat city, but I think the fact that Carolina can claim multiple styles of barbecue to itself has to be the the tipping point.
0: All right. All right. It's closer again than I thought. For sweets. Oh, man, I, I already see what's happening here. I think Chad, <laughs> a, uh, this, this algorithm, you never know. You you're a tricky son of a bitch you are. <laughs> For sweets. <laughs> Chicago's got... Mindy's hot chocolate—that's been around. It's got—it's produced some, some of the best pastry chefs. Um, Marge's candy, North Carolina. So Charlotte area's produced Krispy Kreme. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, come on—that's like saying Logan <laughs> Sargent versus Max Verstappen. Like it? Okay, yeah. yeah, 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 there's no competition there. I
2: did not know that, but oh my god, that I—that's—that's a—that's a—that's a tricky one. Krispy Kreme all the way. Under the radar and
0: I feel like for special sauce, Chicago's got jardinera. It's got its own Chicago dog stuff. I'm sure it's got all a bunch of other stuff. But I feel like Texas Pete's hot sauce. If you've not had it, it's not made in Texas. It's a Carolina hot sauce. It is my favorite Tabasco-like hot sauce because it's got extra mentazanthem going in it. It's very viscous in a good way. And it's it's good. It, Texas speeds good. It makes a good buffalo wing. I like it. I didn't even know that it was invented in Texas. Carolina. This could be fake news. I, I thought it was invented in Texas. So it was news to me to find out that it wasn't. And they have they, – the Carolina produces all the hot pe- – like the real hot, hot peppers for us with Ed Curry. He's the pepper reader. He, he, I'm sure he's been on Hot Ones. And they have a great name. This is this they should win on this category special sauce special team specifically for this name because this is the opposite of of what England does with naming food. This is the opposite of Turkish delight. Which is
2: which is horrible names for delicious foods.
0: Yeah. Carolina Reaper. I mean, I don't have to taste it to know what it is. I do not have to taste it to know that it's the hottest pepper in the world. Great name. And Ed, you, you did a hell of a job breeding the, heart, the hottest pepper in the world, but you did a better job in naming it. And Ed, I think you should stop making hot peppers and get in the branding business.
2: Caroline Reaper is an incredible name.
0: The new prime minister of the UK should hire you to rebrand the names of all of the UK foods.
2: You know, you know who else I was talking about? Sorry, quick digression. You know the other group of people that do an incredible job of naming things are meteorologists. I think that the names for weather phenomena are fucking incredible.
0: Polar vortex. Yeah. It's like a cyclone. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's so good. Heat dome. Even El Nino is a good name for hot air. El El Nino is just hot air. Think about this word. Cumulus nimbus. Fucking amazing. It's an incredible name. Meteorologists are fucking geniuses at
2: branding shit. (laughs)
0: even something that's cute like this 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 is gonna be such a cute thing but also great name water spout water spout (laughs) bravo bravo they're so
2: good they're so good man it's incredible anyway wait who did you give fish to seafood to in this five s's i'm
0: giving it to north carolina charlotte because Popcorn they're shrimp. closer, they're, but they're because it's 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 closer to water. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Chicago. But that's is the only to reason. It's the only, it's the only. It's the only reason. <laughs> all
2: right, that's four to one. Four to one for Carolina this week. What do you have? Chicago's a three and a half point favorite. What do you I'm have? Going
0: three, I'm going 3 three and a half. Carolina, folks.
2: Oh, flip it! You can bank, flip it in reverse. Can bank, it.
0: You can bank on it. All right, <laughs> just like last week's. So. If you want to do the right betting strategy, I would bet progressively for all the times we've lost to make it up on this bet. Bill Simmons has a million-dollar bet. This is the bet that's going to make you even for all the losses this year.
2: Bet the the farm on this one.
0: Bet the farm on this one. And just remember, do not take any financial advice. This is (laughs) not any prognostication. This is not our fault. It's the algorithm's fault if it's not right. We're partnering with Audi on a new segment, Progress You Can Feel. The fully electric Audi Q8 e-tron brings true craftsmanship and stunning performance to your journey. With fast charging capabilities and impeccable design, Audi knows that how we get there matters. So here's a story of how I got here. I think like 2017 or 2016, we opened up Major Domo, the restaurant, near Chinatown in downtown LA. And... If you, know enough, if you know anything about Los Angeles, people complain about the traffic, right? If you've ever seen that old SNL skit, the Californians, where they just goof off about uh, routes they're taking and, the you know, highway routes. Um, it's true. That's all people seem to talk about here. And the funny thing is I don't know any of them. Uh, I still don't. Um, so when we opened up or was planning on opening up what was conceivably a bad location, I think it's a great location, but it was bad to people coming from the West side. And they have always said that it's location, location, location with anything that's in retail, particularly a restaurant. And I have found over the years that opening up a restaurant in a bad location is sometimes opening a restaurant in a good location. You just need to market it. You just need to sort of explain yourself in a different way. And that started all the way back in 2004 when we opened up Momofuku, when we didn't even have a sign. We didn't have an awning. It was actually intentionally difficult to find because we wanted that experience where people discovered something. I think discovery, whether it's a music, a book, is an amazing feeling. People remember it and they talk about it. So we have to over-deliver on the food, especially when there's like almost no ambiance. We were just 600 square feet of of plywood so we kept on thinking over the years when we would open up restaurants mainly we would open up in places that we could afford and those happened to be sort of traditionally bad locations that forced us to make a menu that was different that forced us to make food that people would talk about and we were quite successful at that and even when we had the restaurant in australia i intentionally chose the worst location in the entire casino at the Star casino, because I wanted people to almost be aggravated when they finally got to the restaurant, I wanted them to almost honestly be angry that it took so long for them to get there because there's something about that contrast of being agitated and then tasting something so delicious that it was the, the it made the, the the trek there worthwhile and you know, I digress back going back to Major domo, so we were opening up in a location that doesn't really have a name it's near Frogtown, it's near Chinatown it's near you know, what is now crypto arena. And I knew that we had to make food that was celebratory, that people would talk about. And there's only two things in all of Los Angeles where people would talk about glowingly and willing to drive into traffic and to change their entire patterns around. That's watching the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And this may seem like a stretch, but thinking about that, those, those moments, right? Like how, how can you make an experience so great that it's worth the travel, right? That's where we had to base the food around. So I knew we needed to make something celebratory. And I knew I needed to do something that had an homage to all the things in Los Angeles and to who I am. And the first dish that I created was this short rib. It's a smoked short rib. And it really was emblematic of everything we did at Major Domo. Instead of getting flanken or a Korean barbecue short rib that you would get where you have the three-bone structure and it's cut, sliced thin, I wanted to do it so it's whole. And you might see that if you go to Texas Barbecue or I don't want to say Texas, but a lot of barbecue places have been doing it where they're doing a whole short rib. And there's two kinds of short rib, plate, whole plate. And there's whole and there's a chuck. Most people get chuck short rib. It's fine, but the meat is more. As I would say not as well uh, proportionate, right, in terms of size. The more the money piece is the plate short rib, and uh, inspired by Texas barbecue, inspired by people like Adam Perry Lang, I wanted to do this with my mom's kalbi marinade. And the reason I think about that is my mom's braised short rib korean short rib called Jim was famous people would literally want that recipe they would travel just to eat her thing and you know that was a moment i was like that's food that i would travel for to eat and i would also travel for smoked short rib done well right those are those are moments where i would get on a plane if i if i had the time to go eat so i started to merge those two things together because i felt That combination of that experience and that celebratory communal nature of having Korean food at a Korean barbecue restaurant, like park barbecue, could all be combined together. And I I don't know, but my gut told me that in all my years and all my past, that if you were able to sell some kind of food that was celebratory, that was so delicious that people sort of forgot where they were, you could overcome bad location, poor design you know, because we we never really had much to begin with. And honestly, people were traveling, for the most part, from the west side of Los Angeles to the east side to a location that honestly people didn't know anything about. And we needed to, 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 to ground it around a dish that I don't think had ever been served, right, to my knowledge. I think now there's a place in North Carolina, and now you see a lot more Asian barbecue done in the Texas style, but we... Got a custom-made smoker from Texas brought in. And you could say, is it fusion? I, d- I don't know. It's, you know, most Korean barbecue, you would traditionally cook it over charcoal and wood, and it's marinated. All we're doing is doing it at a different temperature and a longer cook time. And we would carve it tableside. And then after the meat had been carved tableside, you would have the, all the 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 garnish that you could make your little Korean sort of sams. And then we'd take all the scraps and we'd bring all all the scraps back to the kitchen and we'd chop it all up and make a beef rice. So you felt like you were getting so much because it's honestly not a cheap dish, but it's a hell of a lot cheaper than the cheapest dish, the cheapest seats at like Dodger Stadium or something like that. So sometimes you really can't connect the dots until well after the fact. But one of my guiding principles in, in how I got here was trying to over deliver and trying to sort of work your way backwards from a feeling from a memory from this celebratory feeling that i wanted guests that came to majordomo that would probably on the way to Major Domo, say god damn this traffic sucks this food better be worth it because i've just driven an hour plus to get here and when they leave they go to the friends and they say man i'm so glad i sat in traffic that was that was so worth the time spent to get there and that's been a A critical part of my success and at Momofuku and Major Domo still doing extremely well. So you can definitely go check that out. But it wasn't one single moment. It was a collection of many moments and it's thinking about it. It's thinking about how you would like to feel. It's thinking about how somebody with their time and hard hard earned money would like to feel after they leave your restaurant. And, you know, it's something that we continue to do. And, it's been part of my journey from 2004 to present day. There's progress, and then there's progress you can feel. The Audi Q8 e-tron is just one model within the Audi e-tron family of fully electric vehicles preparing for a future that is exhilarating, exciting, and thrilling. Audi knows that how we get there matters, and they have the electrified vehicles to make the journey, well, electrifying. Audi, progress you can feel. Learn more at AudiUSA.com electric. We got a mini moi. What we got...
1: Hypothetical scenario, you have to prepare a Thanksgiving dinner, but you can only take one of these three with you, and the other two cannot be anywhere in your food. All right. Potatoes, butter, and flour. So which one do you pick?
0: One cannot <sighs> be anywhere near your food. I mean, I would take – I would get rid of flour for Thanksgiving.
2: No. Oh, two. I got to pick two. You oh. got to pick two. No stuffing. I think you can – see, the thing is, like, I think you can – what if you just there's, – there's other delicious fats. As insane as it sounds, I think you can maybe kill butter and just replace it with other fats. The potato versus flour is tough because it's like potato—you're basically losing mashed potatoes.
0: No, you can still do starch. I mean, I would get rid of. I think butter is such a key component to Thanksgiving. I think it's very difficult to do with those milk solids. It's just you know, it is. You know what? It'd be like one of those people that say, "Look at this no-carb bread." All you need is a uh, protein powder and egg whites, and look out look at this the nicest bread I've ever baked. that's not fucking bread
2: yeah, but what is your what's your stuffing gonna be? How can you have it without stuffing without bread, and how can you have a sandwich the next day
0: and so wait, you know does flour mean that nothing with flour is in it, or nothing I can't use nothing with flour?
1: yeah, so you can't thicken your gravy with flour like no stuffing
0: all right. I'm gonna replace it with caviar <laughs> you're, you're gonna replace the bread with caviar <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so if you're holding on a- <laughs> okay there's you're- only be two things there's only two things right? butter and caviar that's it that's the whole meal I guess you're right that's better no, 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 real- i'm gonna have a ter- I'm gonna have a turkey and caviar
2: <laughs> yeah. Honestly, this is a much easier thing. Save all the money you were going to spend on every other side. Roast the turkey, buy a tin of caviar, and have some butter on the side.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, listen, caviar and poultry is very good. Breast. This is one I think a thin slice of roast turkey breast with a dollop of caviar would be delicious.
2: <laughs> this might be an improvement
0: on on Thanksgiving. In fact. Yeah, I I think I could, I mean, you can have the veggies. I I don't know. I I think I could get, just give me butter and I'm good. And butter means dairy. So I could have some creme fraiche, you know. I think that's what I would do. I would, we should do a spin the wheel and make a, for next year's Thanksgiving. Actually, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll ever make Thanksgiving ever again now because of this football stuff. Make one where you are limited. Yeah, I like that. Actually, you know what? We're going to work on a video, folks. We're going to spin a wheel and uh, maybe we'll find another chef or two and we're going to make Thanksgiving a holiday meal, but you can't use two of these items.
2: Yeah. I like that. Or each, each, you have three chefs and each one of you gets one of these things.
0: Yeah.
1: That's good. All right. Next thing. All right. This is where it kind of flies off, flies off
2: the rails. Um, Let's
1: just
0: do the, uh the Taylor Swift thing or hold on one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, I, so, All right, so, so she- I'm 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 dating Taylor Swift instead of <laughs> Travis Kelsey.
2: <laughs>
0: sure. Which restaurant would I be taking her?
1: Yeah, and I sent you guys a list of uh, the restaurants that she's eating at. So try to kind of like it's almost like one of those IQ tests. Like find the next shape that comes in this sequence,
0: right? So I mean, cl- clearly I'd take her to Noodle Bar uptown and the Noodle Bar downtown in a double <laughs> double feature header. For day one.
2: <laughs> one of those is a restaurant and one of those is a metaphor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So one in Columbus Circle, one in East Village. And then, and then first, after, I the, I'm going to yeah, give you a theoretical dinner date, okay? <laughs> I'm going to take gonna, her to Noodle Bart downtown. <laughs> first, 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 I'm going to get permission from my wife. To get a hall pass, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: She's uh, assuming she's on the your 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 list or whatever. Yeah, hall pass. I'm hall sure
0: pass. If Grace, Grace would be like, yeah, if you could make that happen, go for it. Knock yourself out. Okay.
2: <laughs> I think that's the universal wife opinion on on Taylor Swift is like, yeah, sure, whatever you want,
0: go for it. <laughs> All right, I, I, I like this. So waking up for breakfast, I, I think that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get us some um, whatever. I'm going to get us some classic bodega sandwiches, bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches on a Kaiser roll. Classic. Right?
2: I don't know if you're going to take her to Noodle Bar downtown if you buy her some bodega sandwiches. Look at <laughs> no, this fucking list of places, this is, dude.
0: This is, this is, this is breakfast. I'm, these are not places I'm going to take her to, all right? All right? Okay. And I'm also going to say it's like theoretically not any of my restaurants, right? No momos.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. All right. Like we're talking about like a perfect eating day with Taylor Swift, right? Then, I mean, considering she would like eat many of these meals with me, right? Then I think there's no like mid meal. You almost have to go straight to lunch. I would do, I would take her to the Balthazar and we'd get a plateau. That's right. That's it. That's it. That's it. it. Then I take a nap. (laughs) It's nap time. Is Taylor even with you on this day? This just
2: sounds like Dave's perfect day in the city.
0: <laughs> she's, tri- she's my Uber driver.
2: <laughs> so far, you woke up and had a bodega sandwich and then went to your favorite place for a
0: plateau and have now taken a nap.
2: I don't see where anything has been done for Taylor Swift yet. <laughs> so far, this is just your special day, your make-a-wish day.
0: That's why she's going to like it, all right? <laughs> everybody everybody gives her what she wants. <laughs> Very
2: few people have ever taken her day where they have not thought about her at all. <laughs> <laughs> sure, okay, I like the reverse psychology. So once you've woken up from your your midday slumber <laughs> while she sat on the couch or whatever, <laughs> what what happens next? Is there an, a pair of? t maybe maybe it,
0: like she she wrote like her next greatest hit song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just like
2: you're sleeping on the bed next to me while I'm sitting here awake. <laughs> all right. So what happens after that? Is there some sort of little pre-dinner drinks or?
0: Um, I think we go get a drink uh, and we get, we get the, uh, we get a hot dog and at Misha's at Alice street pack spot. Right. And then we probably order all the desserts. Mm-hmm. Then We'd go get a slice of pizza at Stretch.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Very nice. Then then we'd go get uh, some oxtails at Tatiana. Uh Uh-huh. Then – now dinner is now multiple courses, right? Then we'd go down to Terece's and get some raviolis, right? Then we'd go to Wu's Wonton King. And get some wonton, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> then you go play 18 holes in Augusta.
0: No, And then we go to the Russian baths.
2: Okay, now final,
0: final something.
2: No, that sounds that sounds awesome. Uh, I,
0: uh, I I I I think that's a hell of a date.
2: No, I I feel like that's a hell of a bachelor party you just threw for yourself once you got engaged <laughs> to Taylor Swift. That's pretty sick, man. It's a fun fun day for you and your guy friends. <laughs> <laughs> no joke, though. I would do that. That sounds fun. I mean, I'm I'm. It sounds awesome. Not Taylor Swift. It sounds but that awesome. Sounds like, a, sounds like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I mean,
2: you know what you would be doing? You would be taking advantage of the fact that you're with Taylor Swift to just be like, "Oh, the seas will part, and I can go anywhere I want in the city right now at any time and just sit down and have exactly what I want." That's I actually applaud that strong move.
0: I think on the one thing I would probably try to squeeze in is I want to go to Sushi Nas. Not yeah, no, 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 no. Let me let me take that back. What's my sushi spot that I love so much by Jimmy Shuko? Shuko, I take, him, take her to Shuko, too, for a full omakase experience. <laughs> no man,
2: sounds good. Move over, Travis. I'm sure. I'm sure she's hearing this and just thinking. And then, oh, and, that, and
0: then, and then, I was like, "Do you want to watch some football?" <laughs>
2: Yeah, you're like, you're not even that. You're like, hey, do you play Madden?
0: <laughs> you, know, the, you know what I probably do? It's like, man, who should I start on my fantasy team? <laughs> yeah. You, you feel like,
2: let's go back to my place. Have you seen Lord of the Rings Extended Edition?
0: <laughs> when Aragorn reveals how old he actually is?
2: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. What a date!
0: All right, we got next. Fuck Mary Kill. What do we got?
1: All right, guys, real quick. Fuck Mary Kill. Orange chicken, broccoli, beef, and honey walnut shrimp. It's
0: the uh real quick Panda Express. All right, for me, it's it's simple. I hate walnut shrimp with a white hot heat. I think it's gross.
2: Same. So
0: kill that. I mean mayonnaise and walnuts. Come on, man, it's disgusting. Even when mayonnaise. even when even when done well, it's, it's mediocre at best.
2: Hot, hot mayonnaise with corn syrup.
0: Yo. Gross. Yeah, I've been craving that stuff, man. Uh, that's I disgusting, mean, dude. What are you? What preg- are you pregnant?
2: <laughs> dude, that's so gross.
0: Oh man, that's that's fucking gross. That's fucking gross, man. That's gross. So orange chicken is my mistress. Has always mm-hmm. been. Will always
2: be. Broccoli beef. You could take home to your parents. You could introduce broccoli beef to your parents.
0: I mean broccoli beef is marriage material if I've ever <laughs> seen one. <laughs> I mean, put a the ring brains. on that shit right now. The personality put a ring of on brains. that right now.
2: <laughs> if you're lucky enough oh, to have broccoli beef in your life, put a ring on it.
0: I mean that's the thing with broccoli beef. It could be frozen broccoli, gonna be good. Could be fresh broccoli, gonna be good. Could be hanger meat, going to be good. Could be flank meat, going to be good. Could be sirloin, going to be good. Could be dry edge, going to be good. Could be wagyu, going to be good. It is could be like oyster sauce, no oyster sauce, hoisin, you know, spicy and not spicy. Could be on lo mein or good with or good with rice or good on its own. It, it is uh, it is a dish that is so multifaceted that I don't think you could ever, ever get tired of broccoli beef.
2: <laughs> it's only going to make you better as a person.
0: Yeah. It literally will again. complete you. It'll complete you.
2: I think that's a perfectly played fuck, Mary kill, man. I That's yeah, a you can't perfectly say that played
0: walnut, honey, walnut sheep's going to like complete you. Orange <laughs> chicken. Like, come on, man. I am not bringing you home to my parents and family. You know yeah, what man, I mean? Like so
2: I, disappointing.
0: I order, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Orange beef, you belong in a styrofoam container. All right, you don't belong on a plate. <laughs> you know, you know. What's your fuck Mary kill on this?
1: <laughs> it's the same as you guys, but Jesus Christ! I think broccoli beef is definitely the Mary. I think uh, orange chicken is definitely the fuck. And yeah, unfortunately, I would have to kill honey walnut shrimp, even though I do like it. But uh, I just think the
0: other two are too strong. <laughs> you know what the hall? You know what the you know what the honey walnut shrimp is? It's like winning the G League in basketball.
1: <laughs> what the fuck?
0: No, it is nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, it is. Congratulations for being actually not that good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's a participation trophy, man. God, I
0: hate one. I It's, I it's like winning it the championship in like a, like the fourth division in English soccer. Congratulations. I don't know, man. <laughs> a
1: good fried shrimp and a honey walnut shrimp is, is it has its merits, I think. It's really, really tasty, I think. Gross. Gross. No, not just haters. Gross. No, it's just mayo haters.
0: Gross. There I was love no mayo. combination. Some, can, can I be honest here? Honey walnut shrimp, that kind of shit only works if a white person makes it. What do you mean? (laughs) When you take three disparate ingredients, right? (laughs) Like ingredients that should never go together, and somehow it works. But it doesn't fucking work. (laughs) Honey, walnut, and shrimp don't work.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't think of it at all. (laughs) It's like like somebody bumped a shelf and a bunch of shit fell in a wok. just like, oh, there's a dish. That's a dish now. Also, no, you I mean, know it's bad. Look at orange chicken is what it is. Broccoli beef is what it is. Honey walnut shrimp is not what it is. It is mayonnaise shrimp. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> not what it is. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's hiding itself.
0: It's, it's deep fried shrimp then rolled in mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. Drizzled with honey. <laughs> tossed with walnuts. It's fucking insane. <laughs> it's I've so never been...
2: I've never been high enough to come up with that combination of flavors. It's so horrible, man. I mean, we got to
0: meet the person that did it, right? Who invented honey walnut shrimp? And I do believe – you know what? We should do a whole segment on this. Unfortunately, I got to go. Maybe next time we should do – we haven't done one in a while, how it was made, right? We should come up with the origin story of honey walnut shrimp on the next podcast with you.
2: Yeah, we'll call us all a segment how it was made, but have a tiny little probably in parentheses.
0: In how it like, again, like, nope, made. nobody really knows, but it's a problem. I'm not, speaking of which, I'm probably going to go get some orange chicken, boys. <laughs> Damn. That's you. not something you tell your friends. <laughs>
2: <Dude>. <laughs> Give us five seconds. Oh, man. I thought you were seeing broccoli beef. Did things not work out? <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened with broccoli <laughs> beef, bro? <laughs> I liked
0: her. All right. (laughs)